everyone. Welcome to the Unmasked Podcast. This is your host, Etsy Celine, joined once again by the lovely Akira. Hey, Akira. Hey, how are you? Um, I'm okay. We are doing a take two, and you know all about this since you do drama and such. We're doing a take two on recording this podcast for episode eight, because for those of you who don't follow us on Twitter, you have missed the Twitter drama of last week. Because when I went to um, look for the recording for this podcast, it was missing. It was just totally gone. And we were, how did you feel when, when, I, when you saw that tweet that it was just completely gone? What did you think? Oh, well, I can laugh about it now. But when I saw that tweet, my first thought was, you have got to be fucking kidding me. <laughs> <laughs> Because, it, like, you know, cause like you said, I think that we had a really, really good talk, a really good episode, and we were, you know, we always let people know what we're, what we're going to be talking about before we record, and a lot of people were really excited about that episode because we were going to talk about Darlene more in depth, and so it's like, ah, we had some fire moments, and then all of a sudden it's like, uh, I can't find it, it's like, ah, we got to do it again. I know, I know. But you know what? It's going to be great. It's going to be great. <laughs> but yeah, that was that just killed me. I I was emotionally eating that day. I actually had a Big Mac that day and french fries. <laughs> I just ate all my feelings up, but you know, girl, it is what it is and we're just going to keep rolling forward. But um, you did mention that after last week when we recorded this originally, we were focusing on Darlene because we had done a poll. So um, for you folks who listened to the last podcast, um, the ladies and I, I asked them, who would you want to be on your friend squad? Who would be your ride or die chick between Angela, Dom, Darlene, and Joanna? And Southern Cynic and Cure, you guys both chose Joanna. Um, you guys were down with your girl Joanna, although she would probably murder you if you crossed her. And I no, chose. Would not cross her. <laughs> yeah, you would not cross her. You would, things would go left, I think you said. And then I chose Dom because I felt like she wouldn't kill me and she would be a, a great dependable friend. So we put that poll out to our listeners and to our Twitter followers, and they solidly came up with Darlene. I think she had 51% of the vote, and then Angela, I think, had 30, and then it was Dom followed by Joanna, I think, who only got 7% of the vote. So were you surprised by the results when you saw them in the poll? Uh, a little bit, yeah. I mean, I've... I uh, pretty much I know Darlene is one is, is a popular character, but yeah, I mean, but everybody love. I see a lot of love on Twitter for Joanna too, so I was like, okay, but I mean, I guess given the given the question is like you're right or die, so it's kind of like, well, I might love this character, but I don't know, ride or die status. Um, so yeah, so but it was it was interesting to see the results nonetheless. So, but and it was a fun poll too because a lot of people were really going, going in and giving us their analysis or reasons why and everything. So it's always good to hear um, what's going on in the minds of all the Mr. Robot fans. 
Definitely. I know there were a couple of folks who were upset that Darlene was getting so many votes and they were like, don't you know she's a murderer? Why would you want a murderer to be your friend? And then um, someone else said they were surprised Angela didn't have more votes because she's so loyal, et cetera, et cetera. So it definitely, you know, sparked some Twitter conversations. And I think it was you who said, well, we should definitely go more in depth with these ladies because all of them are just wonderful characters that we love and that we know and that we want to, you know, talk about a little bit more. So um, we're going to focus on Darlene and this is j- just, you know, like the best episode to focus on Darlene. We're on episode eight. It is called successor. And this is our first episode where we see neither, um, Mr. Robot or Elliot. And, um, I know my hubs is watching season two for the first time and he was watching episode eight and he kept looking at me. He's like, where's Elliot? Where's, where's Mr. Robot? Is there no Mr. Robot? In this episode? <laughs> What did you think the first, when you saw it for the first time, when you get to the end and you don't see Elliot at all? Um, well, it took took a while for it to register for me that, that, um, that, and of course I'm watching this episode that Elliot, that neither Elliot nor Mr. Robot had popped up yet. Um, I guess maybe, I don't know. I guess sometimes I'm just so into it that, you know, yeah, you take account of who, which characters are there, but at the same time, with um, so much emphasis being placed on Darlene in this episode and everything, it was kind of like you really had a chance to really get more invested in her story and her journey. And then afterwards, you're like, oh, wait a minute, Elliot and Norma Robot were there. Um, but it also was interesting in the sense that we could get that emotionally invested in their story. And even though Elliot and Mr. Robot weren't there, you still were able to get a sense of um, the impact that their presence or lack thereof has on these characters. I completely agree. Um, I know the first time like you and I watched it, I was so caught up with what was happening that like you said, towards the end, you're like, Oh, Elliot wasn't in this episode and it was okay. Um, and you definitely feel that lack of Elliot in a in a different way. Not that you missed him so much as that I think Sam was trying to show us, you know, with the title of successor, that Darlene has stepped into this role to fill Elliot's shoes. And we know in the previous episode, Mr. Robot was really telling Elliot he needed to lead. He needed to be the leader of this, um, of F society, he need to come back to that. And now this episode, we see this person in Darlene, who's supposed to be his successor. And we see her struggling, um, this entire episode, which is almost putting more focus on why we need Elliot back at the helm of the ship because Darlene, um, is just messy. She is messy the entire episode. Um, and it started out with um, our, we see our group, we see our Scooby gang. They are in Susan Jacobs um, condo and she walks in. She's able to just walk in on them because they are so wrapped up in this video they've posted um, that they now know that operation Berenstein is the FBI 
basically spying on all of us, which to be honest, secure, we already knew they were spying on us and stuff, but anyone who thinks that the government isn't listening to everything we're saying and watching every one of our keystrokes, they're the insane ones in my opinion, because, because I'm, I'm digressing, but Tell me about, remember you, we were DMing and you were at an airport and some restaurant you were sitting next to started tweeting you? Yes. <laughs> I mean, again, I'm giggling about it now, but at the point at that point in time, it was kind of scary because I think right before I got um, those DMs, I was texting um my mom and letting her know, okay, made it through security and all that. So now I'm just going to get something to eat. I'm hungry, blah, blah, blah. And then I get a text, not a text. I get a DM of something about something that mentions a restaurant. And I'm like, um, who was the DM from? Was the DM from the restaurant? No. Um, I, I, well, I can say for certain I doubt that they were from the restaurant, but it was just so weird and random. But I went again through, I guess, um, notifications and notifications and whatnot, other DMs or whatever, and I'm like, okay, technically I got this. You know, went on the person's uh, handle and I saw the same message, but it was from the day before, and I'm like, well, obviously I'm not going to sit here and try to how to trying to track back at that specific time during the day was I talking about a restaurant to anybody. Um, you know, like, uh, is somebody like tracking me in some way? But anyway, we digress. Um, but yeah, I mean, I kind of, yeah, I mean, I kind of like, kind of just, uh, rest aside. I mean, like y'all, like you said, Big Brother and someone, somebody is watching us. If it's not Big Brother, it's somebody. Um, but again, hope, but again, it's like, you know, I'm trying to keep those, I'm trying to keep that proactiveness of, you know, up about yourself so that stuff about you or information like your credit cards and stuff doesn't get out. But yeah. Um, yeah. but yeah, big brother, but yeah, big brother is watching, but yeah. And then also to agree that Darlene, uh, Darlene had some struggles to go with, to go through with this episode, but it actually um, kind of started really with the video, um, with them making the video after they mm-hmm. have intercepted the phone call. Um, that the FBI, uh, the conference call between the FBI and a couple of other um, security, um, uh, security intel uh, groups, and because uh, as they're as they're about to film the video, El, um, not Elliot, Darlene is in full on is in the full on Mister uh, F Society character getup, and the video starts messing up because they're well um, that they're using is messing up and everything, but she ends up taking the mask off in the process. And it's like, wait, Darlene, can you move out of the shot before you take the mask off? Cause we can see your face. Mm-hmm. And, and then it just continued. And then watching the conversation about, uh, between, um, Darlene and, and Trenton about how the tape is messed up, how they got to get another one and everything. I mean, I'm looking at the camera and I still see a red light on. So I'm thinking, I hope y'all still aren't recording. I mean, even though it's a fake tape, but still, it's yeah. I don't know. You're just you're just wondering like how much. Yeah. I mean, just the fact that her just the fact that she showed her face that was one thing, and then um they 
as we said, they've intercepted the FBI's phone call, so they have all this. Um, they know that the FBI and all other security intels are spying on at least 3 million people, but through that, they've been able to narrow it down to mm-hmm. 17, well, 16 now because one is deceased, um, suspects. So with that information, people within up society are starting to freak out a little bit. Yeah, especially poor Mobley. We see Mobley, I mean, he is like shook about Mm -hmm. hearing that. And he's been, you know, on the edge prior to this. And the fact that he's even still hanging in is he's more afraid of the threat of the dark army. Um, That's kind of superseding his, his fear of the FBI for now, because we see that change. Um, by the end of the episode, but um, you're absolutely right. You know, we see Darlene start off the episode making this mistake with the tape. Um, we see Susan Jacobs just roll up on them in the house and the group, you know, they tire up, they kind of panic. And we see Darlene throw poor Trenton to the wolves, basically, in her attempt to have someone quiet Susan down, she sends Trenton, who is like of that group, the most mild mannered person. And I was just thinking, what the heck is Trenton supposed to do in this situation? Like, why not send Cisco in or, you know, something else? And I like, you start off the episode really questioning Darlene's decision-making in this instance. Mm -hmm. And then we see Susan just treating poor Trenton so terribly, you know, are you a Muslim? Are you ISIS and all this stuff? And, you know, old girl ends up knocking herself out with her ugliness, (laughs) basically. Yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, that leads to them trying to own Susan Jacobs. So, which then leads to Darlene making some choices. So when you were watching this, what did you think Darlene was going to do when she decided to go down and kind of address Susan? Um, I mean, really from the second Susan walked in and saw everybody in the house, automatic i'm pretty sure that there was a collective oh shit amongst amongst mr robot fans as soon as that scene happened and the longer it went on you just well actually not even that pretty much after that oh shit moment you're just thinking there really is no i mean that's probably you know you what you can think of as the most extreme um, route of action to take care of the situation ended up happening. Mm-hmm. Um, you were just, I mean, pretty much as soon as you saw her, you were just, this is not going to end well. Um, but yeah, and, and, and it, it just, uh, the choices that are made that lead up to it. And yeah, you're also wondering why send Trenton to, you know, to hush her up? Like, what is Trenton going to do? Um, and then, and then, yeah, Susan just going in on the stereotypes of of Trenton, and it's just, it's almost like, um, I don't want to say pot calling a kettle black, but it's like, Susan, you defend this corporation who 
everyone says is the persona personification of evil. So how are you like? So how dare you try? You know, try to stare, you know, go try to go after Trenton like that. It's like, honey, like have several seats really on that issue. And um, yeah, and then and then she, you know, and then Trenton left, you know, lets her go so she can go to the bathroom, and she's like, it's like Susan, what what were you thinking to try to like go after? like try to attack Trenton and then you end up busting your you know busting your head against the wall knocking yourself out like girl you did not think that through at all Um, she didn't think it through at all yep and then um yeah and then we're watching um uh everyone in S society basically just try to, to get as much information on her as possible in order to own her and everything and yeah, what really was interesting with that is, um, you know, in terms of password security and everything, um, yeah, Susan made the number one rookie mistake, having her username and password written on a post-it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Lord, that's my parents. I'm not going to tell our listeners where our parents keep their passwords, but girl, yes, it's a gold mine in their house. <laughs> yeah, so it was like, and so as soon as you saw Trenton, Trenton holding up the uh, holding up the post-it, you're like, of course, and Susan, of course. Um, but yeah, I know. Yeah, like when, she like she has this completely high tech house, and then she writes to her password. Oh gosh. For, yeah, but I mean, they were able to hack um, hack into her her smart house. So the fact that she does have her. Yahoo past Yahoo email information written down. Not surprising, I guess, when you think about it. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, homegirl Darlene, um, as they're going through emails and everything, you do see some emails pop up more than others um, from certain people. And yeah, I mean, Darlene made a very drastic decision this season, uh, this season in this particular episode, and that's probably an understatement to say that to say that um yeah well I mean it was it was a a a drastic um decision and if you guys haven't seen this episode remember we said we were spoiling everything in this podcast um so Darlene makes and we kind of agreed that she made the decision to go down and kill Susan it wasn't Uh um by chance yeah it was it wasn't by chance I mean she saw the emails that said um Susan had a pacemaker she had that um taser in her hand so she got it from somewhere Mm -hmm. um she didn't send Trenton down there with a weapon to protect herself but she had that taser and then she took the time almost you know what I didn't think about this when we originally recorded this but it was almost like what Joanna said about letting the person know why they're dying before you kill mm. them as a courtesy. And that is exactly what we see. Although I don't think Darlene, Darlene was too. doing it as a courtesy, but it was more like a, you need to know why you are about to die. This is what you did to me. This is what you did to my family. And that is mm-hmm. why you're going to die. Like, I didn't even, that, like, yeah, I didn't even think about that the first time we talked about that. But that's, like, exactly what she was doing. Yeah, that's a, that is a really good point. 
um, that you made that you made there. Definitely, um, Susan able to Susan able to being able to get some background into, um, you know, the things that she, the things that she has done and the, and the consequences to those. And of course, she's about to find out the ultimate consequence of that, which is going to be homegirls about to you know meet her maker, as mm-hmm. you can say. Um, but yeah, um, yeah, Darlene, um, and of course, in watching this and the, watching the episode the first time, like we said, we were kind of wondering, you know, all right, we're gonna have to go back and watch this to determine exactly when did Darlene make this decision. And you know, as you, as we said, we see her reading through the emails and the um, pace and the heart uh, pacemaker um, related emails do pop up more than once. So. And you see this one moment of Darlene just right before the net. You see the net, um, the, the email from NYU Cardiology pop up again. The camera is the camera. The camera stays on Darlene for a certain amount of time. So you're just okay. Girl is thinking something, and mm-hmm. then we see automatically what that was. And um, but yeah, you know, I mean, I mean, yeah, I mean, this is some. I mean, it was really. It really says something. You know, when she lets Susan know that it was one particular thing that she did that Darlene remembered from when she was um, four years old, right? Yeah, four. Yeah, four. Yeah, four years old. One particular thing, and it was so you know so quick. And this is also why it's like y'all think that kids don't pick up on stuff, but they do. Um, so you know, and she tells Susan, "You laughed." You know, after they, after a judge ruled in favor of, um, of Evil Corp, you know, you, because of you, because of you, you played a role in this. Um, you're equally responsible for the, sh- the, the sh- shit that's going down with me and my family that has gone down, that still continues to go down. And you're still defending me, you know, defending that corporation. So, yeah. I mean, that's, I mean, just trying to imagine what that what that would be like for someone to hold to hold on a particular moment in your life to hold on to for so long, and then to finally be confronted to be able to confront the person responsible for that moment. Yeah, and I mean, she was obviously triggered from probably from the moment she saw Susan. She was triggered back to that moment, and. Um, mm-hmm we just think about, you know, talking about Darlene and thinking about her, that that moment as a four-year-old, you know, changed her life, you know, having a parent die, um, going through that court case, those were traumatic events for her. And it, you know, shaped her and the decisions that she made, you know, as a child to being this young adult. Um, They talk a lot about, just what we know about Darlene, that she spent a lot of time running away. We know from Elliot's kind of 80s, 90s flashback that Darlene was severely abused. And we have to take this from Elliot's point of view that what he saw of Darlene was of her being physically abused by their mother. So she has this abuse that she's trying to deal with. She has her father dying. She has this woman laughing at her family's 
heartache. And those are all things that have shaped her into the person that we see her now. Um, and really uh-huh. this kind of disintegration we see with her almost emotionally after she kills Susan. Yeah. And, um, yeah. And then, um, it's, it's really interesting to see how far Darlene has come really like just really seeing the impact of that moment. Because remember in the, uh, the season one, the season two premiere, we see, we see her in Susan's house. She comes to the, um, balcony, um, overlooks, overlooking every member of F society and holding up a picture of Susan and some friends. And she slams it down onto the ground and stomps. Oh no, that's the phone. Mm-hmm. Um, but I believe, I believe she slammed the photo too. I'll go, gonna have to go back to the premiere and check. Um, but yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, with Darlene, yeah, Darlene, I mean, we all, obviously we know that Elliot has some demons that he's fighting, but yeah, Darlene has some things too. And, and then yet yeah, with the, with the sitcom episode, you know, we're having to, you know, we're taking Elliot's, what Elliot is allowing us to see. And also, I mean, it's some, it says, really says something to Elliot or just to, I guess, their childhood that he forgets his own sister mm-hmm. um, because going with, like we were saying, we were talking about in the, when, in the first recording of this episode, we were talking back to when um, after he kissed her and she said, did you forget who I am again? And, you know, again, it's just, okay, wait a minute. How many times has he forgotten her? And also remembering with the picture that he was, that he held up at one point during uh, season one, when it was him and his mom in the picture. Mm-hmm. And you're thinking, why would he keep a picture of him and his mom? And then later on, when it's revealed that Darlene is his sister and that Mr. Robot is a personification of his dad. Um, then we see uh, more figures there, those, those figures being added back to the picture. And, um, and if anything, I think it definitely speaks to, you know, with their childhood of Darlene running away and him forgetting her, maybe him forgetting, maybe Elliot forgetting Darlene is probably um, his way of dealing with his guilt of maybe not being able to protect her, mm-hmm. um, to protect her so much. So um, at least that's one thing that I gather from that. Um, so, I mean, at first you were kind of thinking, you know, I might be, I might have thought, well, well, she used to run away a lot. So maybe that's why he forgot her. Um, but I mean, really thinking about it, maybe it, maybe it could be because of guilt that he couldn't protect her, that he couldn't really save her, that, um, and that's probably why he tends to forget her. So that's true. Like if you think about guilt and shame, um, mm-hmm. and if he's having those feelings about what he couldn't do, like you see with his dad, um, in that episode when Edward is telling Elliot about his illness and telling him not to tell anyone. So it feels like Elliot was put into these adult roles were placed upon him. And it's just like, not something a, a child can do successfully. 
And if you think about him possibly trying to protect Darlene and the fact that, you know, that whole sitcom episode, she was basically unconscious. So it's like she was there, but she wasn't there. He had more interaction with Angela in that episode than he did with his sister. And um, we saw in Times Square when he was looking at his family, Darlene wasn't there. And from that episode where we see Mr. Robot kind of being born or reborn, which was on Halloween to a few months later when they're trying to do the hack and he doesn't remember her again. And you have to wonder, you know, why can't he remember her a few months later when he obviously knew who she was at Halloween. And I had kind of thought maybe he can't handle both Mr. Robot and Darlene as far as his psyche, having them both present in his life at the same time is kind of like an, an either or sort of thing with him. Um, so that's just something interesting to think about Darlene's relationship with Elliot. Um, how does that fit with their childhood? How does Angela fit in with this? Because, you know, Angela is really Elliot's friend, not really Darlene's friend is close. And is there some resentment with Angela being closer to Elliot than she is in some way? So you have to think about how do you Um, deal with that? Yeah, I think that you can definitely see that on some levels I get, um, I get that there is this vying for Elliot's attention for the most part. Um, I think, um, in terms of Darlene, um, or maybe even for, or maybe even vying for their father's attention because, um, also in the Halloween, uh, the episode where we see, uh, Mr. Robot come to life, uh, for the first time, at least as far as us being able to see it, um, you know, Darlene mentions how she wishes, how she wishes that she knew him better. So, I mean, we know that, um, between Elliot and Darlene, he ha- um, Edward Alderson had the better relationship with, uh, with Elliot. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, so maybe, um, yeah, so maybe there was that constant vying for attention. So maybe that also, um, maybe in addition to the abuse, maybe that also, um, contributed to Darlene running away a lot because again, it's, I mean, it, I mean, I could be wrong on that sense, but um, I mean, that's just another vi- something that I get from it too with, um, you know, when Edward was, well, when, when it wasn't Elliot and Edward, it was um, Elliot and Angela. So mm-hmm. yeah. And also um, with the photo, um with the family photo, like looking back on it again, I was like, wait a minute, the mom and Edward are all kind of like, you know, like touch, like Darlene is kind of like on the outs, like, you know, you've been in photos where you're like on the outs, almost everyone in the center is kind of like all hugging around each other and everything. And you're just kind of leaning in on the mm-hmm. side. Yeah. So that, I mean, that's, so that there's also, that's probably it as well too. But um, Yeah. I mean, I, yeah. Yeah. You have to, you have to, you know, kind of feel for Darlene because mm-hmm. after she kills Susan, she does try to cover it up with the rest of the F Society group like it was a mistake. And Mobley, you know, immediately called her on it. 
Um, Mm -hmm. And then we kind of see this, her making mistake after mistake Um, with folks in trauma. A lot of times there's like this fight flight or freeze um, reactions to triggering events. And for Darlene, Susan was a trigger for her, a definite trigger. And we kind of saw Mm -hmm. everyone freeze when she showed up. And then um, Darlene basically engages in that protection when she is killing Susan and she's trying to protect herself with this lie. But then we are just seeing her making a mistake. Like I felt like her putting out the out of office message on the email, um, paying the guy with Susan's e-coin account were just such huge mistakes that would just bring whoever eventually investigates her missing self, even if they never find her body, which they won't, that is going to take them right to her or right to that guy who would then say, Darlene and Cisco brought in a big bag and I don't know what was in it. So it's like the decisions she's making are just off. Yeah. And and yeah, the decision making is off. Um, And then also the decisions that she's making only buys her a little bit more time. So it's, definitely in a situation where she didn't really think things through and um, giving, I guess, given that she's all caught, that she's caught up in the moment for the most part, it's, I mean, she pretty, I think that she definitely figured, well, you know, if I, you know, if I kill her, I can just take her to the, um, to the, uh, to the pound and just use the incinerator again. Like I used for, like they used for the hack and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um but still, I mean, it's, but still, I mean, these are decisions that only buy you so much time. I mean, it's not really gonna, I mean, decisions like these do not keep the feds or any any type, anyone, any type of investigating body away for too long. I mean, it's not like you gave them a lead that, you know, that takes them somewhere else and takes the spotlight off of you. Eventually things can, like we, like you said, lead back to her. So um and even and it was even interesting that cisco even offered to say okay well let you know let me let me get the dark army on this you know they'll you know and but she's like no i don't trust them right now um i don't know i mean in this situation it kind of begs the question would you have gone with the dark army's option on this um but that again that being said yeah you know with the dark army um, the dark army is pretty much going after, well, I guess maybe depending on who, but also at the same time, you know, with this whole Operation Berenstein thing, Cisco did say, you know, that if the dark army kind of gets wind that anybody might talk to the FBI or any type of, you know, any type of, uh, investigative force, it's not going to be good for that person. No. Um, so, so in that sense, she's probably like, yeah, no, I don't want to do anything else that will get me any, you know, have a you know, give me an even bigger connection to the dark army. But yeah, I mean, Darlene only has time, right? She's only bought herself time. So just just so so much. And her paranoia is high because we see at the end of the episode, she's at Cisco's and she sees um, some messages he sent to the dark, to the dark army. And she, you know, knocks Cisco out with the bat. So she is, 
yeah, she's she's falling apart. But speaking of falling yeah. apart, um, we also see after Susan Jacobs, Mobley, and Trenton have this conversation, basically saying we need to get out of Dodge. And um, Mobley goes home. He's picked up by the FBI. Um, and we see Dom attempting to interrogate him. Um, we saw earlier that Dom had um, a gentleman in the interrogation room, and she was bringing up that bullet that they found at the arcade, and they were able to connect it to Xander, who's the guy that um, Darlene got the gun from, which was, you know, in hindsight, another mistake that she made because, you know, that guy Xander would be able to definitively, you know, connect that with Darlene. So Darlene is just spinning a web that she's not going to be able to escape from. Um, but and Dom also put immunity on the table for Xander. So you really think she's not going to say shit? I mean, yeah. yeah, most most often than not, both, yeah. If anyone's offered immunity, yeah, they'll take it. Mm-hmm. They're gonna throw so. you under the bus so fast. Well, mm-hmm. I was—I have to say—I was impressed by Mobley handled Dom. What did you think about mm-hmm. about Mobley? I too was very impressed by that as well because um, I mean, because we've all we've always talked about how Dom how how she uses her methods, how she's able to um, get people to open up and talk. Um, but this is one instance where Mobley is just like. Yeah, you know, I'm on. I'm on to your game. Whatever you think, um, any way that you're trying to think that you're connecting with me, I ultimately know what you want. So let me go ahead and say, lawyer, so to get you to stop talking. The yeah, just throwing the main card on the table to get her to stop talking and just basically put you know put an end to her conversation. And then just not only that, but um, again, the fact that the F, that F society put the video out that. In- um, mm-hmm. That actually included bits of the conversation of the conference call. Um, yeah, the FBI is also in some hot water too. So, um, so Dom is also getting the brakes put, you know, a hurdle put up uh, put up to her, not just by Mobley, but also by her superiors as well. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, by by also saying, in this case, with Dom going after Mobley, her superiors are like it was supposed to be a top down thing, not a bottom up. Like, what are you doing type of thing? Um, you know, like just kind of going, I guess in this case, we could say in this episode, I guess we can say that we've seen, um, or that we're seeing examples of, uh, Dom and Darlene going a bit rogue, if you can say. Yeah, um, definitely. And usually when Dom is kind of going her own way, she meets with success. We've seen that time and time again, but, this is like one of the first times we've seen faltering with her. Um, you know, did you catch that? They said that she'd had Mobley in custody for 12 hours. Um, mm-hmm. You know, so she was really catching it um, from her superior. I did like in this episode, we saw, we heard references to James Comey, who's no longer the FBI director in our world. Um, and with Trenton, when she was at home with her family, you saw Bernie Sanders and Hillary Clinton on the TV campaigning. So it was interesting to see um, what was going on in their world and kind of the time frame with, with what they were seeing. Um, 
But eventually we do see Mobley get out of the, that, the FBI and we see him um, setting up a meet with Trenton. Um, so, and you know, we see what happens with them a little bit further in the series, but the last person we need to talk about is Angela. Um, so talk about messy. Angela was just messy drunk this entire episode. And she's out on a date with um, the guy that she kind of, we thought had a one night stand with earlier in the episode or earlier in the series, but I guess they've been dating and it turns out that he is a plant by Dom, which I think is really either very genius or just insidious that she did this. Um, what were you thinking about Angela this episode? Oh, yeah, Angela again. Um, uh, well, for one, love the karaoke machine, uh, the karaoke scene. That was one of the one of my highlights of the se- of the season. And um, again, with Angela being put in a uh, put in another situation where she is just constantly put down. Um, and if, but home, but girl was able to come back. Well, girl was able to come with the clap back and just shut him up. Um, because after, um, oh no, not, no, before the karaoke, uh, scene, she runs into, um, a friend of her dad's at the bar and he's asking, oh, well, you know, we missed you at the, uh, at your father's barbecue. What happened? You know, um, so she said she couldn't get around to it. And then he was saying, well, you know, the fact that you're working for Evil Corp has got to be a tough pill for your dad to swallow. Well, but then again, you have no, you should have no problem swallowing these days. And it's like, mm-hmm. okay, I'm going to need one, like, okay, I'm going to need one more guy to come at Angela like that before I lose my, yeah, I'm like, I don't know. But it's just like, uh, you, you know, the fact that a lot of people are just, automatically assuming that Angela got to where she is, um, you know, by some sexual innuendo. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, that's something that still goes on to this day. Um, But, I mean, but but ultimately, Angela was, like I said, was able to come up, come up with the clap back and just say, well, you're a a plumber. You literally just clean up shit for a living. And all your life, that's that's all you do. That's all you've been, that's all you will be reduced to. Um, but me, you know, I'm not even in my thirties yet. I'm making a six figure salary and I'm just getting started, boo. <laughs> so, um, but interesting enough, uh, while watching Angela give this clap back and when she tells him, well, you just literally clean up shit for a living. And I'm just thinking, I was like, technically Angela, you kind of clean up shit for a living too. Because yeah. uh, first when you were in the PR department and now you're in the risk management department. So still on some level um, between both departments, you're still having to go behind E-Corp and clean up any, any of the mess, any of the messes that they made. So I'm like, so I, thought, I thought that that was a little bit interesting that she, you know, tries to insult him by saying you literally clean up shit for a living. And, and it's like, uh, yeah, Angela, this is almost kind of a, kind of a pot calling the kettle black situation because yeah um i mean even though you're kind of acting like a double agent still you know um i mean but you know but she's in a position to yeah with the double agent she's in one of those positions where you don't want her to know what what your messes are 
Um, because yeah, girl was on a mission, you know, to see what exactly, what exactly she'll be able to get on evil, on evil corp and how she'll be able to use it. Um, but yeah, but then when we see her singing, uh, everybody wants to rule the world. Um, I remember reading originally they wanted to use, uh, Angel, they wanted to have her sing um, You Don't Know Me by Leslie Gore mm-hmm. and I'm thinking and I remember you know with what we've seen of Angela's story up until this up until that point that song would have worked but I actually liked that they decided to go with Everybody Wants to Rule the World More I agree I agree I think that was a good song choice for them um, and with it, we see the conflict um, in Angela, and we see that, you know, she was, you know, really singing her emotions in that song. Um, so it was good to hear that from her. And I think I'm going to actually change our intro music to that song for this week when we get that episode up. But um with Angela it's good to see where she's come. We still feel like we don't know what her end game is. Um, so it was just interesting to hear her singing that song and feel like she's really singing that from her heart. Um, so yeah, it was good. And I know a few people on Twitter told me that they really loved her version of, of um, everyone wants to rule the world. So that's good. Yeah. So I think we've, have we covered everything in this episode? There was so much in it. Um, well, if you want to touch base on the guy that she uh, picks up at the bar. Oh, yeah. Yeah. What do we think about that? Does she just have like a old man fetish? Or is this someone we think is going to come back and be important? Um, well, I want to go with the second option because <laughs> Mr. Robot, because uh, Mr. Robot does not introduce any character without a purpose. Um, and one thing that I love about the show is that even minor characters, well, no, I don't want to call them minor characters, but even it's basically a show that every character has a purpose. There mm-hmm. is no filler, no nothing. Everything that you do see, everything that you don't see is there is a purpose behind it. Um, what it is with this guy, we don't know yet, but I am very curious to find out myself. Yeah, I agree because, um, FBI dude, I don't, I didn't catch his name. He's like, I don't know, maybe, maybe she's just in the old dudes, but he's like, but my feelings were hurt, you know, but Angela (laughs) is just so bold because first she basically just cuts that guy down who's trying to be mean to her at the bar. And then she's Mm -hmm. literally on a date with someone and picks up another guy. Like who does that? I mean, like I've never even considered doing that in my life, but Angela just does it just so easily. And you have to wonder once again with Angela having so many um, alternative purposes that we're not clear on that we have no idea who this guy could be. So I'm like you, I'm looking forward to season three where like four episodes in this dude shows up and we're like, Oh, that was the guy from the bar. 
<laughs> you know, I'm ready, I'm ready for it. Like, come on, let reveal what his purpose is. Yeah, that's how they and do bring us. it on. That's how they yep. do us. That's how they do us every single time. Um, so we are at the end of this episode. We have what, um, four more to go until the end of season two. And we will be close to season three starting, which we are all excited about. Um, so we are, yep. So we are going to do our podcast shout out. And we are actually shouting out Brothers Comics this week. So um, Brothers Comics, they are like our umbrella group. We're underneath them kind of, sort of. So they have several podcasts that they um, are involved in. So they podcast um, movies, things like that. They do like a Thursday night comics chat where they're talking about comics that they're reading they also do like a Game of Thrones recap. And I'm someone who just started watching Game of Thrones like a month ago. Um, so <laughs> I'm finally <laughs> able to um, watch that. Like now that I watch Game of Thrones, I pick up on so many references that meant nothing to me before. And so many tweets, I'm like, oh, that's what they're talking about now. So do you, do you watch Game of Thrones? I did when it first started, and I think I got maybe halfway through season one mm-hmm. um, until I had that one week where I missed an episode and I kept forgetting when the rear was going to come on. And, you know, you get to the point where you miss one episode, you miss, you fail to catch up on it, you miss the next episode, and then you just keep missing them all. Um, but that being said, I mean, I still pretty much follow what's going on. So, yeah, I've seen uh the latest uh twitter moments about uh the night king and everything girl oh i was so i'm not gonna okay i'm not gonna say what happened in case people haven't watched it but i was so upset about that (laughs) i need to talk to um i need to talk to the producer about that because i know he's probably already watched it and i can dm him and be like i hated that scene so they do brothers comics does a game of thrones recap um, I also um, co-host another podcast with them. It's called the Pretty Little Riverdale Podcast, which is a recap show of the CW show Riverdale because I grew up reading Archie comic books and I was really excited about that show. So we decided to do a podcast and of course they help us um, produce this podcast as well. So if you guys haven't checked them out, um, if you haven't followed them, you can follow them on Twitter it's B-R-O-T-H-A-S-C-O-M-I-C-S, Brothers Comics. And they also have a web page, so you can also find them, um, find their web page and see what they're doing on there. So if you haven't checked them out, please check out Brothers Comics. So there we go. All right. You guys have spent another hour with us. Um, I am at C. Talene. You can find me on Twitter at C-T-A-L-L-E-E-N. Akira, let them know where they can find you. Uh, they can find me on Twitter at Hello's Friend, H3LL0FRI3ND1. All right. And you can find this podcast on Twitter. Um, you can follow us at Unmasked Podcast. Um, you can actually found, find our podcast if you search for At Brothers Comics on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, and Stitcher. So hopefully this time, this recording will save. <laughs> 
and this episode will actually go up. So fingers crossed, fingers crossed. So good night, everybody. Good night.